Lord and Father in heaven, thank you for giving us the privilege to be among the living today. It's not because of our holiness or righteousness, but of your great love and mercy, you have given us this privilege. We say praise, glory, honor, and adoration be unto your name. Father in heaven, without you we can do nothing. So we need the power of your spirit upon us. Our great desire is that your purpose and will be fulfilled in our lives, that we may be sanctified. Therefore, Lord, sanctify us through your word. Put your words in our mouth, that the things spoken shall enter into the minds of every listener to the work of sanctification, that we all may rise and grow into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do this and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage January 15 One Expensive Mistake God had made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 29 The book of Genesis gives quite a definite account of social and individual life, and yet we have no record of an infant's being born blind, deaf, crippled, deformed, or imbecile. There is not an instance upon record of a natural death in infancy, childhood, or early manhood. There is no account of men and women dying of disease. Obituary notices in the book of Genesis run thus. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. And all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. God endowed man with so great vital force that he has withstood the accumulation of disease brought upon the race in consequence of perverted habits and has continued for 6,000 years. This fact of itself is enough to evidence to us the strength and electrical energy that God gave to man at his creation. If Adam at his creation had not been endowed with 20 times as much vital force as men now have, the race with their present habits of living in violation of natural law would have become extinct. God did not create the race in its present feeble condition. This state of things is not the work of providence but the work of man. It has been brought about by wrong habits and abuses, by violating the laws that God has made to govern man's existence. God created man for his glory, that after test and trial, the human family might become one with the heavenly family. It was God's purpose to repopulate heaven with the human family if they would show themselves obedient to his every word. To Eve, 
it seemed a small thing to disobey God by tasting the fruit of the forbidden tree, and to tempt her husband also to transgress. But their sin opened the flawed gates of woe upon the world. Who can know, in the moment of temptation, the terrible consequences that will result from one wrong step? Amen. The title of our devotion is One Expensive Mistake. Our key text is taken from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verse 29, which says, God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. Today we are looking at the creation of God, this human machinery called man. And we are going to see what God's intention for man was and what the cause is that this intention and purpose is not being fulfilled. We read in Conflict and Courage, page 21, paragraph 3, it says, God endowed man with so great vital force that he has withstood the, withstood the accumulation of disease brought upon the race in consequence of perverted habits and has continued for 6,000 years. This fact of itself is enough to evidence to us the strength and electrical energy that God gave to man at his creation. If Adam at his creation had not been endowed with 20 times as much vital force as men now have, the race with their present habits of living in violation of the natural law would have become extinct. End of quote. The way God created man was so powerful. Man was endowed with such strength and electrical energy like we read now what is called vital force, which has been transferred from generation to generation. This vital energy or vital force that was put in Adam, he has been committing or to his posterity and from year to year generation to generation this is how man has been able to survive as we look at the records that uh, the bible gives of the kind of life they lived and the quality of that life how long it was we can tell something that there has been a change when we turn our bibles to the book of genesis chapter 6 to look at the age of the patriarch starting from adam adam lived 930 years that is almost a millennia at least he saw a thousand millenniums from that is ten hundreds the last one he 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 left he lived 30 years and seth lived 912 years enos who was the son of seth 905 years and his son canaan lived 910 years and his own son called mahalil lived 895 years and his son jared lived 962 years and jared's son enoch 
hasn't died till today. He lived 365 years on the earth and the Lord took him. He's still alive till now. Enoch's son, Methuselah, the longest man that ever died, lived 969 years. The man who has never died is Enoch. Lamech, the son of Methuselah, lived 777 years. And Noah, the son of Lamech, lived a good 950 years. Adam himself, in his 930 years, was able to see to his ninth generation. You can imagine that, that Adam had so much strength and life that he was able to see the birth of Lamech, the father of Noah, the ninth generation, his ninth grandchild, or say his eighth grandchild. He was able to see them. And if Abel had given birth to a child, or Cain, then he would have seen the tenth generation. Because he was 135 years when he gave birth to Seth. Remember that he had already given birth to Canaan, to Cain and Abel before Seth. And they, Abel died, Cain went somewhere else. And if you were to check Cain's children, you would see that Adam would have seen the tenth child of Cain. This is how powerful the human machinery God made was. Adam saw this because you see that uh, he was 874 years at the time that Lamech was born. This is a glimpse of the human machine that God created. Evidences abound that testify to this truth. Mighty feats of architecture that exist around us are testimonies to the fact that man was endowed with so great vital force that has been transferred all through the years from Adam to all humanity. The fact that this vital force has been transferred from just one man to the rest of the billions of humanity shows how great this strength and electrical energy that God put in Adam was. There was no account of disease as we see them today. They all lived long as we have just seen. So what happened to man? Why do we hear of so many diseases today? You know, I've heard people question the love and mercy of God in permitting such things to exist. I've heard people insult and curse God for permitting such things to exist. They reason and question in their minds and speak with their mouths saying, If God is all-powerful, why? We know, say, if God is all-powerful, which we know he is, why is it not that he stops these things? Is it not cruel for him to permit these things? Why does he allow people to die of loathsome diseases? Why do we still have stillbirth? Why do we have children born with mental and physical deformities? And then some go as far as to curse him with all manner of words, even swearing never to render loyalty to a God who in their mind is cruel and unmerciful for permitting such things to exist. You see, it is true that people are born blind, imbecile, mentally retarded and even dead. It is true that men go through painful illnesses and diseases and die on account of these things. But the question is, why is this so? Are we right to charge it upon God? Our key text for today, Ecclesiastes 7 verse 29 says, God hath made man upright, but they, that is men, have sought out many inventions. The first invention that man sought out was to go and eat that fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which God said they shouldn't eat. 
they bore responsibility, ate the fruit, and then they started to invent new things. And man started to go and degrade and decay because of sin. None but man himself is responsible for his degradation. The life of the antediluvians testified to the goodness of God and the purpose he had for man. But it is man who has corrupted his own way. Isaiah 24 verse 5 and 6 tells us, The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, not God that defiled it, but the inhabitants of the earth are the ones defiling it. Why? Because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore had the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left. Man has degraded because of our sins. Hosea chapter 4 verse 7 to verse 2 and 3 first of all says, By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood touched blood. Therefore shall the land mourn, and every one that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beast of the field and with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I also will reject thee, that thou should be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. The degradation of man is attributed to man forgetting the law of God, not that God is the one who is causing these things to happen. Genesis 6 verse 12, God looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way before God, before upon the earth. The evil habits of living which men are inclined to is what is destroying man. We have an inclination to evil naturally. Not that this inclination itself is a sin. Temptation is not a sin. Just because our flesh is craving for it doesn't make us sinners. Sin is the transgression of God's law. That is why we must resist. So the inclination itself is not sin. We have an inclination to do things that are health-destroying. And yet we find pleasure in it strangely. Man has pleasure in health and soul-destroying vices and habits of sin. It is these habits that causes man's degradation. But why is it that we have this strange love for things that are not good? I, can, I think we can find answer for this in the book of Romans 7. I'll be reading from verse 14 as we look at what Paul said there. He said, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold on the sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. 
I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to sin, to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? The ordeal that Paul is relating in his writings here is the ordeal of every human being. Even the most righteous of men suffer this. The flesh craving for evil and the mind wanting to do good. It is because of this craving that men give in easily to sin. And in giving easily to sin, alcoholism comes and every sin has its consequence. Man becomes degraded by the things he does to himself, seeking these new inventions of doing things contrary to the law of God. On account of this, we have the sickness, the death, the pain that we pass through. Man has degraded himself and over the years has become weak. But then we now have to go to the root cause. What is the cause of this, our susceptibility to sin? Why do we go through this struggle? Why is it that many will inevitably be lost by their inability to exercise self-control but will have no power to resist the fleshly inclinations? The reason can be traced to one expensive mistake made by our first parents. Adam and Eve, through their sin, has transferred to the whole human family moral weakness and an inclination to sin. This one little but expensive mistake has brought the degradation which we now experience. God is a just God and is only allowing nature to take its course. The laws of nature being violated has its consequences and it is these consequences that we are reaping in the mental, moral and physical decay we experience today. One expensive mistake made by our first parents and all humanity has been affected by it. When we go to the book of Romans, reading chapter 5, we read from verse 17. Therefore, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. Verse 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so the obedience of one shall make shall by the obedience of one shall one many be made righteous. The point I want to bring out here is it is by one person's mistake that we all are suffering. One expensive mistake. And what is the lesson we are to learn from here? In our own lives, we need to be careful the way we make our choices because we also can make this one expensive mistake. One expensive mistake. Conflict and Courage, page 21, paragraph 6. To Eve, it seemed a small thing to, dis to disobey God by tasting the fruit of the forbidden tree and to tempt her husband also to transgress. But their sin opened the floodgates of woe upon the world. Who can know in the moment of temptation 
the terrible consequences that will result from one wrong step. End of quote. No one is excused to continue in sin and plead their weakness as an excuse. We also are to learn that we also open the floodgates of woe upon ourselves by making one wrong choice, one expensive mistake. We still have the power to choose even if we are weak. Our weakness hasn't taken away from us our power of choice. We still have power of choice. Weakness is not an excuse because God has made all the provision necessary for us to receive strength from heaven and be overcomers. If we neglect to take this strength when we know of it, we must not blame God. Even angels in heaven with their perfect bodies, they sinned. Our flesh is not the excuse. Satan was the most perfect being that God has ever created as far as the flesh is concerned. But yet, in that his holy flesh that was not inclined to any evil, as perfect as he was, he sinned. Sin is not a thing of the flesh, it's a thing of the mind. And that's why in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 3, we read there that what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his son in the likeness of that same sinful flesh condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus in this same flesh that is weak lived on this earth and lived a righteous life. And we also can do it. So we are not to make mistakes like this. Our own mistakes too, just like that of Adam and Eve, can have far-reaching effects and consequences that we don't even know right now. Steps to Christ, page 33, says, Adam and Eve persuaded themselves that in, no, in so small a matter as eating of the forbidden fruits, there could not result such terrible consequences as God had declared. But this small matter was the transgression of God's immutable and holy law. And it separated man from God and opened the floodgates of death and untold woe upon our world. Age after age, there has gone up from our earth a continual cry of mourning, and the whole creation groaneth and travaileth together in pain as a consequence of man's disobedience. Heaven itself has felt the effects of his rebellion against God. Calvary stands as a memorial of the amazing sacrifice required to atone for the transgression of the divine law. Let us not regard sin as a trivial thing. Every act of transgression, every neglect or rejection of the grace of Christ is reacting upon yourself. It is hardening the heart, depraving the will, benumbing the understanding, and not only making you less inclined to yield, but less capable of yielding to the tender pleading of God's Holy Spirit. Many are quieting a troubled conscience with the thought that they can change the course of evil when they choose, that they can trifle with the invitations of mercy and yet be again and again impressed. They think that after doing despite to the spirit of grace, after casting their influence on the side of Satan, in a moment of terrible extremity, they can change their course. But this is not so easily done. The experience, the education of a lifetime has to so thoroughly molded the character that few then desire to receive the image of Jesus. Even one wrong trait of character, one sinful desire persistently cherished will eventually neutralize all the 
power of the gospel. Every sinful indulgence strengthens the soul's aversion to God. The man who manifests an infidel hardihood or a stolid indifference to divine truth is but reaping the harvest of that which he himself has sown. In all the Bible, there is not a more fearful warning against trifling with evil than the words of the wise man that the sinner shall be holden with the cords of his sin. End of quote. Very solemn words here. One small matter can cause the whole flood, flood of woe we see today. Do not look at sin as a small thing. No matter what the thing is, we need to learn to follow a thought says the Lord. Don't look lightly on the word of God and say, oh, it's a small matter. That thing that you call a small matter is because you are looking at it with your finite human eyes. If your eyes only could be open to see all that is dependent on the decision you are about to make, that small thing, that thing that looks small in your eyes, if your eyes could be opened and you see the far-reaching effect, you will see that it is not a small thing. No matter what that thing is, some people look at the Bible and say, oh, this, this matter is a minor issue. They grade the word of God and say, these are majors and minors. But what did Jesus say to the Pharisees? In the book of Matthew, chapter 23, I believe it should be verse 23, also he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you pay tithes of anise and cumin and neglect the weightier matters of the law. Then he said to them, These ought you to have done, that is, pay your tithe of anise and cumin and not to have left the other undone. Nothing should be left undone as far as Jesus is concerned. He's not going to say, Oh, you are neglecting the weightier matters of the law. Stop the minds, the ones that are not weighty and do the weighty ones. Mm-mm. Jesus says, do all. These ought you to have done and not to have left the other undone. Is what Jesus said. Do not grade the word of God and say these are greater and lighter matters. Whether it's light or great, all have great consequences. None of them have small consequences. In the choice of a spouse, in the choice of a career, in the location in which you will live, remember that these are not small decisions. The choice of your food, the choice of your dress, the words that come out of your mouth, the thing you plug in your ears and you listen to, all these are choices we make. You can choose to listen to one thing today and just that one sentence you heard from someone can be one expensive mistake that will cause great woe to your life and the life of so many others. You can choose to associate yourself with one person which you know you shouldn't for a moment, just a moment, and in that association will bring influences that will bring out the floodgates of woe upon you and many others. Do not look at any decision as a light thing. One expensive mistake from a very small matter as much as just eating. Some people say today, oh, it doesn't matter what I eat. Did it matter what Adam and Eve ate? It was a small matter, but look at the great issue that has come out of it. And today, many people are eating anyhow they want. And what is called, what is what is the result? Decay. The diseases we have today, the cancer, the, the the cardiovascular diseases, diabetes, all the lifestyle diseases comes from neglecting the laws of God. Very small laws. When you don't sleep when you are supposed to sleep. 
when you don't drink the water when you are supposed to drink it it looks like a small matter but those small matters will bring about that one expensive mistake we are shortening our lives by these little 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 mistakes we are making here and there they are little but yet expensive you don't eat what you are supposed to eat or you eat the thing that you are not supposed to eat you go where you are not supposed to go you don't take your bath when you are supposed to all these things and as the holy spirit is bringing things to your mind realize that these things they are little yes in and of themselves but believe you me their consequences are not little at all we are struggling today because of one expensive mistake from a very small matter adam and eve ate a fruit that they were not supposed to and now we are inclined to evil and as i read the ordeal of man wanting to do good but you are finding yourself doing evil i want to bring this to a close by reading what paul finally said in romans chapter 7 verse 24 and 25 after he exclaimed oh wretched man that i am who shall deliver me from this body of sin and death the answer comes i thank god through jesus christ our lord so then with the mind i myself serve the law of god but with the flesh the law of sin romans 8 verse 3 for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh god sending his son in likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh amen so through jesus christ we can serve god and allow the mind to rule through the mind yes we can serve the law of god and if the mind if the spirit is in control we shall subdue the flesh the flesh will never serve god as is naturally this our flesh will always be inclined to evil but if we allow the spirit of god to take control of our mind and subdue the flesh then we can through the mind serve god and even the flesh will be made subject to the law of god let us take courage jesus has conquered and through him we may all conquer amen let us pray our loving father in heaven thank you for the blessing of your son jesus who you have sent to die for our sins and who ministers for us in the sanctuary even now thank you lord for all the provisions that you have made to deliver us from our expensive mistakes there are some of us who have made expensive mistakes over and over again and we are reaping the consequences of it please lord forgive us our sins and give us grace that we may turn away from our evil ways and do what is right in your sight we have no power of ourselves and we are depending on you lord please save us be with us lord strengthen us and grant us the grace to come out of our sins and do your will help us lord to serve you with our mind i pray Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.